Asbury Church. Welcome to week eight of our home improvement series. This is the last Sunday of our home improvement series. We've provided some great uh, insight and help over the last eight weeks um, to help improve your homes, help with communication. We've had a lot of fun on our Wednesday night discussions. If you have missed any of the services and want to get any of that, you can always go to our website, asburyhe.com and check those out so they will they are posted on there and so for this last sunday i've been kind of thinking i've got kinder with me this week and thinking of putting together had a few suggestions and put we put together a song about home improvement and so we're going to do that together today so we'll play through the chorus here and then we'll sing the verses so it goes Walk away from the chaos and mess. Don't go too far, cause don't you know that there ain't nobody but you to clean up that mess. Home improvement, 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 working to improve our homes. Well, isn't it weird that when something breaks or there is a mess that is made? That there doesn't seem to be anybody around who actually made the said mess or broke the thing that's broken. Which is really kind of an odd sort of thing that nobody, I mean nobody, actually did the thing that is done. Wasn't me. For home improvement. 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 Working to improve our homes. Communication so important to have all of the time. So because it's important, we don't do things like screaming and yelling and throwing things at each other. That does not improve communication at all for home improvement. 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 Working to improve our homes. The best thing to say when the kids come your way, asking, What's for dinner? Well, I thought we'd try something new this week for you and just have, oh, I don't know, food for dinner. For home improvement. 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 We're working to improve our homes. Home improvement. Improvement. Oh, working to improve our homes. Wow. Just so you know, that will be on our Spotify list this week. At this time, very quietly, the kids are dismissed for uh, kid zones. If you want to slowly make your way that way, that's awesome. Hey, and just by the way, today at 4 p.m. here at the church, we are having our Spanish service. And so if you've not been a part of a Spanish service, we want to invite you to come on out. The whole service is in Spanish. You may not know Spanish, but that's okay. 
It's a great time, and uh, we're so excited. Nelly does a great job in helping uh, put this all together, and uh, we, have, we have live music, and it's, just, it's a great celebration, so if you're able to make it, uh, again, that starts at 4 o'clock uh, this afternoon. All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Uh, so we're concluding our series entitled Home Improvement, as you could tell by the song. And again, thank you, Pastor Duane. That was like touching. I love how you rhyme dinner with dinner and mess with mess. I was like, oh, dude, he is like, he's got this rhyming thing down. It was like, it was so, it's a gift. It's a gift. And um, we're excited about the new worship album he's putting together for Asbury Church. And, uh, but, but we've been going through this, this idea of um, talking about home improvement. It tells us in Proverbs chapter 24 that by wisdom a house is built. And through understanding it is established and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We, we recognize that, that good and healthy homes just don't happen. They require work. They require intentionality. They, they require us to learn some things, to, to develop new habits and new practices. And so over the last, what, about eight weeks now, we've been talking about this and thinking through a whole bunch of different ideas. And uh, last week, we talked about breaking the cycle. Just because we grew up in a home that may have been a little chaotic does not mean that we have to grow up or that our homes have to be chaotic. Because of the grace of Jesus Christ, new beginnings are possible. And, and, and so we're just excited because God's grace not only separates us from the past, but empowers us to live His purpose. Well, today, as, as we conclude this, the, the series, we're going to talk about celebrating progress. And, and I, think it's, I think it's appropriate that as we end, we, we're, it's in the time that we are honoring our graduates you know, I, I love how the completion of education is acknowledged with a commencement ceremony. I love that idea, that, it be, that, that when you're finished schooling, now you can commence. And commence means you can begin. How many know that after you go through all your education, you're not done learning, you just get to begin to live out what it is that you learned? And, you know, commencements are really about beginnings. And we, and we celebrate at graduations people who've made it through, those who have overcome the challenge and, and all the struggles and are now, they have new opportunities. It's as, it's as if a new door of adventure awaits. And so as we talk about celebrating progress, I, I want you to think not in terms of, of something being finished, but, but something that, that opens a door. And the reason we celebrate progress, because there are moments in our life where God will bring us through things that begin to empower us so that we may walk into new places and to new purposes that we may not have experienced before. And so as we talk about celebrating progress, the, the big idea we're going to think around is this, is that progress provides an opportunity for praise. And that's kind of where we're going to land with all of this. So we're going to begin looking in Joshua chapter 4. Verses 19 through 24, which is really the end of, the, of our story that begins kind of in Joshua 1, but more specifically in Joshua chapter 3. So I want to give a quick recap. Joshua, as you know, was the successor of Moses. Moses was the one that God used to bring his people out of Egypt. And, and, he, and when he you know, brought them out of Egypt, there was the promise that I will bring you to the promised land. But instead of getting to the promised land, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Well, Moses wasn't able to make it into the promised land, and so there was a new successor, and that new successor was Joshua. 
And, and by God's grace, even though the, the, the people had made it through the wilderness, and now they're, they're standing on the edge of the Jordan, and they are getting ready to go into the promised land. Now, at this time, as they're getting ready to cross over, the Jordan River is at flood stage. So rather than a trickle, it is a torrent. How, how many know that rivers can be quite exciting, especially when they're raging? We, we actually had a, a couple in our church last year that after a whole bunch of rainstorms, um, they, they began, uh, they, they went out kayaking. It was a few days after the storms, but the water was so great that they actually got caught up and they got dragged downstream and all these crazy things, but they made it out, which we're so grateful for. But, but it's kind of interesting because how many know when the water rages, you can get caught up in it really quickly and it will take you places that you may not want to go. Can I get a witness on this one? And, and here they are, the children of Israel, like, going, you know what? The promised land is just over there, yet there's this enormous obstacle in front of them. And, and, and for some, it could be simply like, oh man, well, I guess, I guess this isn't for us today. Maybe it's just something we have to wait for later. Yet God told Joshua, Joshua, you are going to lead the people into the promised land, and so I want you to do something. I want you to call the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, and, and just so you know, the Ark of the Covenant is, it was, the, was the, the piece of furniture in the, in the tabernacle where God's presence dwelt. It was kind of like His throne. And, and so they're like, hey, priests, I want you to take the Ark, and I want you to begin to walk into the water. And it tells us that as they began to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and they in faith began to move, and they stepped into the river, something amazing happened, and that is that the water began to back up on one side. And the water began to go down on this side. And it says that the children of Israel walked across the Jordan River on dry ground. And as they're going through, Joshua calls out to, to each of the tribes. So there's 12 tribes, and he calls out for a representative from each tribe that before they complete their journey across to stop and to find a rock, to find a stone that they can pick up and carry to the other side. And so as we get to our passage in Joshua 4.19, we kind of figure out what all this stuff is about, and it says this, on the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when, the, when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples on earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now, I love this story, and I think this has so many great ideas that, that as we think about improving our homes, that, that there's, there's some ideas we need to hold on to. And so I just want to note three quick. The first one is this, is that we are all on a journey to get to the place of promise. 
How many know we're not there yet? Can I get a witness on this one? Do you remember when you were driving, the kids would be in the back yelling or asking, are we there yet? How many know we're not there yet? Yet there is a place that God longs to bring you and me, that he longs to bring our family, that he longs to bring even us as a church. That God in his grace to us is not just a God of deliverance who brings us out of bondage or brings us out of Egypt, but he's also the God who brings us to the promised land. You see, we're a people of hope. We sang about it this morning. The, the gospel of Jesus, it is the hope of the ages. And we have this hope that God is a God who rescues us, but he doesn't just rescue us, but he is, he is working to restore us to bring us to the place of his promise. And this is what Jesus has done. And, and, and we are all on this journey of faith. And this journey of faith requires active steps in the direction of God's leading. If you begin at Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, it begins like this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan. And I love it. It says they, they set out. They, they were moving from a place and they were moving to a place. Now, many times in our lives, we end up making decisions. How many of you make a few decisions every day? Right? Like, well, where do we go? Or, or, or how do we manage the tension? And many times in our lives, as we make decisions, we allow our circumstance to be the thing that moves us. And many times we make decisions because we're trying to move from something. And so we want to move sometimes from the dissonance that, that can arise, because how many know where there's motion, there's friction? You put people in the same house, at some point there's going to be a little bit of rubbing wrong and stuff like that, and, and sometimes the tension is this, you know what, I just need to move from, and we come up with the solution that says the way we solve the problem is we move from. We see this play out in our culture over and over and over again as, as we look at how marriages fall apart or, or how people give up on family, and there's a moving from. But more than just moving from our challenges and our trials and the things that we wrestle with, there's really a, a, an importance for you and I to make decisions where we are moving to something that is in line with God's purpose. So let me ask you, because each one of us here, we are on a journey and we all acknowledge we're not there yet. So my question that I want to ask you is, is where is it that God is leading you? What is it that God is calling you to? What, what, where is it that he is trying to take you from a place to bring you to a different place, to a better place, to a place of promise? And as God's people, we, we need to continually say, God, what is it that you're calling me to? God, what is it that, that your word is inviting me to? What is it that you have promised me? Because God is moving us to the place of his promise. And more than just trying to run from some of our stuff sometimes, we need to say, God, would you help me make decisions to step in the direction of your promise. Now, as we do that, that requires us sometimes going through difficult places. And this is my second point. That in order to get to the place of promise, there are things we have to go through. Now, I remember as a kid, uh, learning songs in school. How many remember songs from school? You know, we did row, row, row your boat, and you do it in a round. But one of my favorite ones was this. Uh, we're going on a lion hunt. We're going to catch a big one. I'm not afraid. I mean, remember the song, right? And then, and then you come to an obstacle. And so you come to, you know, tall grass, and it's like, I can't go over it. I can't go under it. 
I can't go around it, so I guess I got to go through it. How many remember this? And then as a kid, you're like going through the grass because you're on a lion hunt. And then other times you get to the mud. My favorite was when you got to the mud because this is the way we went through the mud. We would do it like this because you're walking through mud and you're making this little kind of clunky sound because you can't go over it, can't go under it, can't go around it. You got to go through it. And I want you to know, sometimes to get to the place that God is calling you, to the place of promise, sometimes to the place where, where we need to say, God, our homes are at this place, but we believe you're calling us to a higher place as a family. We believe that there's some restoration that needs to take place. We believe there's some character work that needs to be done. In order to get from where we are to where God is longing to take us, sometimes we go through these rivers. We go through the, the, these places. We, we go through these challenges. I want you to know that the journey is filled with struggle. And sometimes in moving to the place of God's promise, we can begin to think, are we going to make it through? Are we going to get through this? And this is where I love this story because it's a reminder that whatever obstacle we're called to go through to get to the place of promise, guess who is with us? God's presence goes with us through the challenge. If you are in the midst of challenge right now, you are not going through challenge alone. God is with you to help lead you through the challenge. So in the Old Testament, like part of this idea of where was God's presence, there was a sense of, well, there's the Ark of the Covenant. It's in a sense the footstool. It's the place in which he's enthroned upon. Where the Ark of the Covenant is, that's where God is. We'll send it first. I want you to understand that that in the new covenant with what Christ has done, where does the presence of God dwell? In us. And so when we step into the waters, as we confront the challenges, as we confront the obstacles, that there's this sense that, you know, we're not battling this stuff alone. God is with us. And I'm convinced that as God's people, as challenges arise, we need to develop a resiliency that says, God, I trust you, and I believe that in leading me to promise that, God, there are some things i got to go through, but you are with me, and you will get me through. So for the early church, one of the things that, that, that was, was encouraged in this church was a confidence, a, a faith that gets through. So as the early church developed after, you know, Jesus dies, rises again, and there's the power of the Holy Spirit that's poured out on the disciples, and they begin to plant these little communities of faith all around the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire began to push back against it. And many times people were just like going, you know, uh, are you going to sacrifice to Caesar? Are you going to offer tribute to Caesar or not? And, and, And the church was in a very delicate and precarious situation because if they said yes... I mean, if they said, yes, that will follow Caesar, will declare that Caesar is Lord, then, then something in their soul was, was, was harmed. Yet, yet if they said on the other side, well, we're not going to say that, we'll declare that Jesus is Lord, but not Caesar is Lord, then there was the threat that, you know what, not only could they experience being ostracized, but they could also experience pain, punishment, and even death. And the question is, is when the obstacle comes, when, when the trial comes... What are we going to do? And the writer of the Hebrews, as he writes to the, to the Christians, to the believers, the followers of Jesus in the first century, is, as they're dealing with this, this tension, he writes this 
We find this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. It says, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. Just because you're facing a difficulty, an obstacle, don't throw it away. Don't throw away your confidence in God. It will be richly rewarded. And then he says this, you need to persevere. You, you need to journey and you need a battle. You need to endure through it so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I love that. That as you begin to endure and, and you battle through, then you will receive what God has promised. And then he goes to quote two passages from the Old Testament that says this, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Basically, he's saying, listen, God is coming. He, he is with you. He's meeting you in this moment, and he will bring you through it. He goes on to say, another place he quotes from the Old Testament is this, but my righteous ones will live by faith. And the prophet went on to write, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And then the writer of Hebrews says this, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I love that. We do not belong to those who shrink back. Because part of this journey is learning to battle through. So we're on a journey to get to the place of God's promise. And in order to get there, there's things we're going to have to go through. Yet we need to remember God's faithfulness and celebrate progress. Because I want you to know, God will bring us through. How many of you had moments in the past where you, you faced things, you're like, going, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through it, but here you are today, and you got through it. Right? There, there were those moments, you're like going, I don't know how we're going to get the bills paid, or, or maybe you're like going, I'm not sure how this, how, how this relationship's going to be resolved. I'm not sure. Yet, God, by His grace, brings us through. Now, I love in this story that Joshua says that, hey, as God is bringing you through, he says, hey, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and find a stone. One from each tribe, grab a stone, we're going we're gonna to set something up to be a reminder. And uh, I don't know how you envision the story, but, but if you were chosen as the representative of your tribe or of your family, what stone would you pick? I'll tell you, so this is me. Because I have issues. Uh, my, I, I, I am learning my body can't cash the check. My brain thinks it can. That means I'm getting old, right? But I would go for the biggest stinking rock I could find in the middle of the Jordan and say, this is the one for my family that recognizes and remembers what God has done. Like, I would not be searching around for some little pebble from the middle. I want the biggest rock I can carry to say, look it, I want you to see what God has done. I want this thing to be seen. I want this moment to be remembered. This is my stone. I don't know what you'd choose, but I'd choose something big. The rock that I would pick would, would be meaningful. It would be more than just the weight or, or, or the substance. It would be a reminder of what God has done. And that was the purpose of it. 
The stone was to serve as a reminder. And I love what Joshua said. In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. See, there was an element that what was taking place here is that they were, they were setting up a, a monument. They, they were celebrating what God had done. He had brought them into the promised land. Now, was the promised land their full possession yet? Nope. But they were praising God along the way. They were setting markers down, and they were saying, you know what? God has been faithful to this point, and this is the sign. These are the stones. These are the things that, we're that are going to remind us what God has done. And I believe that every family, as we go through this journey, lay down markers and stones to celebrate the progress of what God has done for us. Let me give you three quick reasons why we need to celebrate progress, because... Um, we, we, we celebrate progress because it's the recognition that something significant has happened. We were in one place, but now we're in a different place. It, it's an acknowledgement that, that, that we're moving, that we're making progress, that, that we've overcome something significant. And in and through it, we highlight God's faithfulness. Another reason we celebrate progress is because it builds faith for each generation. It gives, it, for more than just a story, it gives a marker, it gives a place to which people can look and turn and go, oh yeah, do you remember the story that's tied with the thing? So it helps build faith for each generation to remind them that, you know what, this, the God brought our mom and dad, brought our, our grandparents through this stuff. And if he did it for them... Like I loved, I loved talking to my grandma. So my, my grandma got to the place. I, she passed away when she was about 96 years old. Um, and and she, her, her mind wasn't as acute as it used to be. She was dealing with some of the dementia stuff. But it was interesting as I would talk with my grandma as she was in the nursing home. And my grandma would tell me stories because she couldn't remember what, what she had just said. And so she'd say the same thing over and over. Have you been in those conversations? right, over and over again. But every once in a while, she'd loop out of it, and she would tell me a story. And she would tell me the story that my, my grandma and grandpa, when they came to faith in Christ Jesus, their, their family grew up in a Methodist church, but they, they had this encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed and transformed them. They had this Pentecostal experience, and they knew the Spirit of God's empowerment was real. And through that in, real empowerment, their family ostracized them. And they began faith journey apart without, and, and I remember just hearing the story and recognizing again and again and again the resiliency and strength of my family. And it just reminded me I'm a part of a heritage of people that are willing to stand up for faith even when it's not popular because they have had an experience with God and, and, and they become markers. And, and, and we need markers in our life to help people be reminded of the story of faith. The last quick reason why we need to celebrate progress is because it strengthens us for the next battle and the next obstacle. How many know that the last battle you've gone through is not the last battle you'll have? But the faith that got you through the last one, guess what? You'll find the faithfulness of God, and because he was faithful then, how many know he's going to be faithful for the next one? 
You see, we need to remember God's faithfulness and celebrate progress. And I think it's something we have to do as families, as, as individuals. Because again, progress provides an opportunity for praise. And so I, I want to real quickly talk about how do we celebrate progress. I'll say first thing is that if we're going to be families, if we're going to improve our homes, we need to celebrate progress. How can we do it? Firstly, by taking time to celebrate. Anybody here get a little busy? I mean, our calendars fill up pretty quick. I'm committed. So if you, if you read the Old Testament, you'll find out that God thinks celebration is so important that he actually puts it in the Jewish calendar that every year there's, there's an ongoing celebration like at, at different points of the year where people are celebrating for one day, some days, eight days. They're doing different things because celebration is important. We need to take time to celebrate and focus on the progress and the development of individuals, of our families. I remember hearing a statement that I love. What's rewarded gets repeated. Can I get it? I want to say that again. What's rewarded gets repeated. If all you ever give back, so this is a little parenting thing, if all you give back to your children is um, grief for the angst that they have, you don't always get the opposite of it. But if you praise progress, what it actually does is it fires something in them and they actually move toward the positive. What's rewarded gets repeated. And as, as our families and as individuals take steps of faith, as they do different things, we need to celebrate. Because in celebrating it, it, it helps remind us of what's important. Did you know that celebration reinforces values? Why do we celebrate it? We celebrate it because it's important. How else do we celebrate progress? Not only do we take time to celebrate, but we have to learn to recount the adventure. Like part of the reason you celebrate is so that you can tell the story again of what God has done. Now, when our family gathers together, when our kids get together, it's always fun because we have an opportunity to tell stories. And how many know getting through an obstacle, there are stories that you go through? Okay, so this is my fun little story. You want to hear a fun story? I was having a dream last night. Anybody here ever, ever have vivid dreams where you dream in technicolor? Like bright colors, right? They're not like your everyday dream. It's a brighter color dream. Okay, I did not have a technicolor dream I had a techno-smell dream. So in my dream, I'll tell you what was going on in my dream. I had a dream I was at youth camp. And while I was at youth camp, there were some kids sitting over to the side, and they were smoking some wacky tobacco. Okay? In my dream, I'm the pastor. I shouldn't be dreaming this. And I'm like, dude, this isn't right, children. We don't do this at youth camp. We shouldn't do this ever. And so I walk over them to confront them. And these belligerent little boys, they're huffing and puffing. And then they start blowing on me. And I, in my dream, I have smoke coming at me and all this stuff and, and all the smells of it. And I'm like, oh. And it was so real and rancid. And, and all of a sudden, my brain says, that's a skunk. And I opened my eyes, and outside our window, we had a skunk that was just making his stuff happen. And I'm like, oh, my word. Okay. 
Now, we tell the story. And we tell the story because there, there's something that becomes memorable. Hey, do you remember the moment when? Do you remember the moment when? What I love is I have people come up to me, hey, Pastor, I remember when you told this story. And I'm like, I don't even remember that story, but that's a good one. Right? And I'm just because <laughs> I'm at the age where I forget things. But, but stories, there's something memorable about them. Stories begin to, you know, they, they, they begin to surround values. And as a family, can I just challenge you? Tell the story of your family. Tell the story of God's faithfulness for your family. So when our kids were young, when it's their birthday, we would do things like, okay, you get breakfast in bed, you get to choose where you want to go for lunch, any restaurant within reason, and then, and then the last one was uh, we'll cook whatever you want at supper time and, you know, you do all the other stuff. Well, one of the things that began to grow out of this was as we gave them breakfast in bed, our kids would ask us to repeat a story. And they would say, tell us the story of our birth. And it was kind of fun because we would tell our kids the story. And so I, I remember because like our, the birth of our children has this thread of grace that goes through our story. And it goes, it goes through the babies being born. It goes through all sorts of things. And um, being able to sit and tell our kids the story, but the thing that was always amazing was they're just like, tell us the story of our birth. And we're like going, hey, God's hand was in this. So like with Samantha, I won't go through all of them, but with Samantha, um, her, Rachel's labor was so terrible. And um, our doctor was concerned. She was like, she had been in hard labor for way too long. And we had gone through the whole night. And, and you could feel just in the room that it had gone from the excitement, the regular process, to the sense of concern. And, and our, our doctor is just like, who's, who's doing this, she's, she's becoming more and more aware of the criticalness of what's going on. And she was just like, hey, um, we, we, you know, uh, she, she was saying, we may have to do a C-section, like there was all these things. The baby's vitals are going down. Rachel's vitals are going down. All these things. I remember as a dad stepping out of the room, totally overwhelmed, crying out to God, just saying, God, we just need your help. We need your grace. What ended up happening is one of the obstetricians who was not on duty that day, it was not his day to, to work or anything like that, had stopped by the hospital. He wasn't doing rounds. He wasn't doing anything. He just stopped in, and he was a phenomenal obstetrician, which we came to find out. And I remember the doctor, our doctor, coming in saying, so-and-so is here, and he's, you know, we're, would it be okay if we give him an opportunity to come and step in the room? When he came into the room, it, I, I tell you, it wasn't very much longer until Samantha was born. And it was a thread of grace because we saw God's hand working because you know what we have come to know in our family and we retell the story is that God will bring people into your situation when you don't know it and you may not understand the why, but God will bring people in. And I'm convinced that we have to learn to celebrate progress because celebrating progress gives us the opportunity to remind people of the story. And if we can tell the stories, it will help people remember what it is God has done. The third thing, if we're going to mark progress, we have to, if we're going to celebrate progress, we need to set a marker. We need to establish uh, markers to highlight progress. 
like the Israelites gathering stones from the middle of the Jordan, I'm convinced that we need to, we need to, we need to have places or, or items that are more than just stones, but actually communicate messages to remind us, to remind our children of God's faithfulness. So we do this in a number of different ways. One of the things that I think is interesting, if you're here at Levita's uh, graduation party, one of the things the Geese's give to their graduates is they give them a sword or a dagger, which is awesome. I'm like, I, wanna, I want them to adopt me, and then I want to graduate from something so I can... But, but they're, they're impressive. And they even cut the cake with the dagger, I heard. I missed it. But, but, but the dagger is more than just a, a dagger. It, it's, more than just a, it's more than just a sharp, pointy stick. Like, there's meaning that's poured into it. And so as the family gives it to their child, they say it's not just the thing. It's the things about the thing. And one of the things that I'm convinced in, in, in our lives that as we go through the journey is God is faithful, that there become, there become tangible markers in our journey that say, hey, this thing, the, remember when we got this thing, the reason we got this thing is because we were celebrating this. Or, hey, we got through this difficult time and this is the thing. Because one of the things that we do is we get so caught up in our world that sometimes we forget about God's faithfulness that brings us through. That's why Joshua's like, hey, guys, Grab the stones. Okay, lastly, how do you celebrate progress? Take time to celebrate, recount the adventure, set a marker, and lastly, voice your praise. We need to learn to voice our praise. We need to begin to speak it out. We need to begin to declare First of all, to God for His incredible faithfulness and goodness for bringing us through. How many are grateful that God is smarter than us and He had plans and He had purposes and He had good that He's brought out of the junk we've been through? Oh my goodness. And that ought to be something that just flows out of our mouths. God, I just want to say thank you. You have brought me through. Like, can I just tell you something? So I want to challenge you because I think our faith is here and God says, take your faith here. And one of the things that we have to do in our faith, I believe this is true of relationships as well, to go from here to here, is we actually have to learn to give voice to our praise. Not just think it, but begin to speak it. And even more than just speak it, begin to declare it. God, you are so good. Like we sang it. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. And it was fun watching because some of you, I could see that thing was resonating in you because you're just like, look what he brought me through. To declare it. You see, we have to learn to voice our praise to God. And when you do, I want you to know, it will take your faith from this place to this place. There's a reason why we feel intimidated to make our praise loud. And I'll tell you why. Because the enemy knows that once we begin to find our voice to praise, we can get through our stuff. It's when we're in the places where we're like, oh, you know, I just, I, I just... You'll find out that when you can't praise God, it's really hard to get through things. Like, it becomes really hard when you can't begin to, to, to speak praise over other people. Like, I, I remember as a dad, one of the, 
Like, nobody prepared me as a dad for how proud I would be when my daughter walked the stage when she became a nurse. I, like, I, I was sitting there in my seat, and I got tears pouring down my face. I am, I have, I have, I have my father's DNA. He's a blubberer, and I am finding as I get older, I blubber more. All right? I got a baby coming, I got a grandbaby coming, and it's already doing stuff like that to me. But, but, but can I tell you that, that it's not just to feel it, it's to be able to speak it, to look at your child and say, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I, I want you to know, I know it's been hard. But I want you to know I'm so grateful for what God is doing in your life. And you begin to speak praise and admiration and affection for your children. If you do it for your spouse, watch what happens. Because all of a sudden it begins to create an atmosphere of faith. It creates an atmosphere where love and grace begins to flow. And when that stuff is happening, my goodness, we can get through a whole lot. I want to invite the worship team up just as we close. Progress provides an opportunity for praise. This is what I know. None of us are there yet. How many, can I, can I get a witness on this? How many of you, you may be standing at the bank of a river right now, but you know what the good news is this? He's been faithful to bring us out of something, and he's already got us through the desert. If he got us through the desert, he'll get us through the river. And if he gets us through the river, don't worry, he'll, he'll give us an opportunity to take possession of the land. Because he's a God that is good and faithful. And for us to be in a place say, okay, God, I am just choosing with my life to celebrate progress. Not perfection, not even completion. Progress. I asked every one of the people who came up as graduates, so what's next? You know what I didn't hear? I'm done. Because a graduation is a commencement. It's the beginning of something next. And in your life, you're at a place where God is like, listen, I know where you're at. And some of you, you're facing things, you're like, I'm not even sure I can get through this, and I just want you to know, his presence is with you, and He will bring you through. You can stop and you can see over your history those moments where God's grace, that thread of grace has gone through your life, where you're like going, God, I didn't even realize you were in the moment that you were here, and there you were. You brought a doctor in at the right time. You brought a friend. I, I turned the radio and I heard something that I needed to hear. God, your grace has been abundant. And to begin to praise. And to begin to celebrate the progress. Because this is what the Bible says. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. The God that has been faithful to today will be faithful through all your tomorrows. And I want you to know there is a blessing, there is a good that God wants to pour upon our lives. And I know some...
You're facing fears. You're facing the uncertainty of what's ahead. Some of you may feel like you've bitten off more than you can chew. But God is with you. And it is His grace that will get you through. I want you to stand your feet. Would you just begin to do something with me? Would you just put your hands in the air? And just begin to give voice to some of the ways God has been faithful in your life. Begin to thank Him for your spouse, for your kids, for the job that you have, for, for that time that He brought you through. A challenge, an obstacle, a place when you thought, man, I don't know if I can make it through. Yeah, he has been good. He has been faithful. Lord, we just thank you that you are so good to us. You are so faithful, Lord. There's not been one moment of our lives where you have been unattentive. But God, your grace has been working through our story. Lord, when we have been doing well, and God, when we have been doing foolish. And God, I thank you that you are faithful to bring us to the place of your promise because you are good. And so God, in this moment, we're just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate the progress. We're going to celebrate what you've done, what you're doing. We're going to rejoice in your goodness. Lord, I know that in and through this, there are going to be some here that are going to begin to set stones, markers in their lives to say, at this point, God met me. God did this. And it's going to be something that becomes a story for generations. God, I thank you that you are faithful and good. And so, God, we put our hope in and we put our trust in you. And Lord, we are going to believe and we're going to trust and we're going to walk through for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.